I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We're bringing treats and tricks to season six of The, the Connor Smith, Smith Show. Okay, um, we have another movie for you today. This one is a classic, 1978's Dawn of the Dead, directed by George Romero. This was the follow-up to Night of the Living Dead. Um, Had there not been another zombie film between Night of the Living Dead and this? Oh, I don't know about that. I'm sure there were some knockoffs in the beginning of the 70s. But that's a good question. I, I'm not sure the answer of. Uh, the Italian ones, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Who wrote Night of the Living Dead? I mean, the Dawn of the Dead. Like this. Yeah, who wrote the screenplay? Uh, I don't... I think it was Romero, yeah. yeah with, uh, I think Dario Argento was a script consultant. Yeah, so he wrote it and directed it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll get into all that. Um, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, just a crass commercial announcement. Uh, there, We have a Patreon now, and thank you to our supporters who have joined and are getting um, exclusive content Please sign up and support us if you can. The link is in the description of this podcast. We are going to take a quick break. They are getting professionally made videos and content. They are. It's true. And sometimes magnets. And magnets. Professional magnets, too. <laughs> so uh, if, if you are so inclined, the link is in the description. We appreciate you. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Right, so 1978's Dawn of the Dead. I was eight. I was just born. I was one? Anyway. Congratulations, uh, everyone. Even though this came out ten years after the original film, this is the sequel where we're not saying it's 1969 or whatever. It just exists in the same world uh, as the first uh, film where there is a zombie outbreak happening and don't you really see it as a take on like Night of the Living Dead that time period if a zombie outbreak were to have taken place with all of these rules and then Dawn of the Dead 1978 it's his same idea of what would happen at that time period with the same kind of rules right yeah it's more like a sibling different location different kind of circumstances characters uh our main uh, character that we meet in the beginning is Fran, who is a producer at WGON news station that is in chaos at the top of the film. Um, Which is kind of uh, interesting with Night of the Living Dead and the, the radio uh, blasts and things that are happening. because the TV of, rescue station. Yeah, right, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, I was in chaos. Because the zombie outbreak. there's a zombie outbreak and... They're not what's going on. Nobody's really giving any official what to do's. There's some rescue stations, but the rescue stations seem out of date, um, and some have been closed. So 
Fran wants to shut them down. She's getting yelled at by another producer who says people will tune out if they're not up there. Oh, and by the way, we watched the extended yes, version. Yes, we watched this on YouTube. You can find the extended Dawn of the Dead on YouTube. I highly recommend the extended version. It just hits deeper to me. Um, and I miss the stuff that's cut out of it in the theatrical release. So... At any rate, uh, Fran and her man, Stephen, who is a traffic reporter. Who is a cross between Hugh Laurie and Terrence Mann. I think the actor's name is Stephen M.G. M.G., um, yeah. And uh, he is basically arrives and tells her they're going to leave that night. And so they're going to take the traffic copter, steal it, and run away. Um, and they're supposed to meet their friend... Roger, who is a policeman. So we cut to what Roger's up to. A member of a SWAT team, right? Yeah. A member of a SWAT team. So in the inner city, in the housing projects, um, some of the community who lives there has been keeping their dead in the basement because religious beliefs, respect for them, whatever reason, but they are kind of holding up, or a gang leader is seemingly in charge of the building and um, not wanting to leave. Not wanting to. Armed. The whole thing that they've been saying on the, the TV station is that independent citizens no longer can occupy um, their own places of, of living. They have to go to shelters. Uh, I'm sure they're trying to get people to specific locations so they can maybe bomb. Who knows? They haven't really figured out the next step. Um, but Roger meets a cute young boy. It's it's uh, his first day on the force, perhaps something like that. He's very new. Um, this is where I take a break and say, just from how I watch the film, not for you, listener, but for how I watch the film, I think this is a big gay film with Roger and Peter, the policeman we're about to meet, as one of the central two couples. But and and here's clue one. And there was always something about the way that every other policeman is talking very, you know, toxic masculinity kind of. Racist. There's a lot of racial, like, trigger warning, lots of racial language from the white policemen. Very shocking. Um, and uh, amidst all that toxic masculinity, Roger is being very supportive and sweet to this young blonde guy who then, like, Five seconds later gets shot in the head and that's kind of where we meet Roger um, inside when they, they they have a shootout out front they go inside the building and there is a very racist uh, officer named Wooly who is having a rampage a racist rampage basically kicking open doors and shooting people inside them and at that point Roger tries to stop him he gets thrown off, and the character we meet, named Peter, shoots Wooly. Who's another SWAT team person? Yeah, Peter's another SWAT team guy. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, including this woman who yells, Miguel, Miguel, and gets her neck and arm bitten into um, in our first major practical effects that we see, some of the major practical effects that we see. Um, the blood is like tempera paint. It is pointedly almost not realistic. It's it's almost like a comic book, this film. 
It's very vibrant. Uh, the colors are very, like the the undead are kind of blue at times, and it's it's doesn't seem to be always a realistic world we're kind of trying to aim for, but more of an action adventure comic book world. Um, anybody else have thoughts about that? Yeah, I definitely think there's humor in it. Uh, I thought you know everybody always talks about Dawn of the Dead being you know this. Uh, message on capitalism and things like that but as we watched last night you know it's got so many more things going on we get to the basement and Roger meets Peter in the basement and within like after they are okay with each other you yeah, know I take all of it from my point of view and I didn't think of it as a gay allegory until you had mentioned it you know I, I saw it more of as, as them like morally attaching to each other in this world mm. that they see as going you know to hell yeah mm. and and realize well I think I could probably be okay with this guy because he's got some kind of moral code just like I do because they were trying to stop the same guy uh, that mm. kind of thing but I also see now that you said that you know that's def definitely you know there as well well I, I, I go back to what you're saying where sure is there maybe a gay overtone undertone middle tone absolutely however when everyone is in sort of a life or death situation everyone changes a little bit it happened during you know 9-11 it happened during uh hurricanes and tornadoes and like really times of coming together and having to get through a crisis where uh, I think people bond differently than maybe they would. I mean, at, at, at this point, these people are basically experiencing what they, what they consider the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So if these two guys that are maybe in a truck together or whatever, if they all of a sudden are, might feel like they're the only two people left in the earth, there does become this sort of invisible, you know, courageous bonding that happens that's like I've got your back and I've got your back and we're going to get through this and we're going to live and it becomes almost a romanticized uh, intimacy because that gives them this really strong connection anyway no I totally yeah I, I totally see that and, and also if you were in that situation and, you, and them as SWAT team members and being on the force and knowing you know what kinds of people are out there all different kinds of people and recognizing the moral code that they each have I think is very important to them because they know where it could go and it's probably going in other places do you know what I mean so kind with kind not you know as far as being kind I mean yeah uh, I'm gonna keep my hot cop fantasy I, <laughs> I think SWAT does stand for swingers when at the mall. Well, that's what I'm. Within a few uh, lines, Peter basically says to Roger, "Run away with me," um, which is very beautiful, in my opinion. And uh, then they meet a one-legged priest, who tells them who was a real yeah priest. Yeah. How did you know that? I've read the book, uh, "The Zombies That Ate Pittsburgh." That so they takes asked this guy because they just wanted to use him because of the one leg. Well, they knew him, right? Yeah, yeah. He was somebody they were familiar with or, or something like that, I believe. But uh, but it's also quite striking to look at. He has an elegance and poise 
the way he even maneuvers his crutch that he uses as a leg it's 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 arresting uh he's very debonair i think the priest and very smooth but he says when the dead walk signore we must stop the killing or lose the war um which i thought was very interesting but uh then we go to the dock. Now, this is the, one of the first things noticeably in the extended that is not in the theatrical release or the European release, where there is a whole scene with cops versus cops. Um, this one pack of cops that's also running away. They're taking a police boat, and then these you know news people and two policemen who are taking a helicopter. And there's almost like a, a standoff and then like a detente and then they kind of are on their way. We get our first kind of glimpse of commercialism when the goofy cop, because every group has a goofy person in it, I guess, is like, uh, does anybody got any cigarettes? And they all say, no, no, of course. They say no. And, and then immediately all light up when they get in the helicopter. Um, so we're, we're on the dawn of the 80s, the me generation, the me era. Um, so it's kind of a nice precursor to that. There's a great shot where the helicopter is pulling away and there's a big skyscraper in the background and you see just floor after floor of the lights being shut down, almost like the, it's losing power slowly or it, it's a great shot. Um, well, Stephen is falling asleep. The next day, Stephen is driving the... He's the helicopter pilot, lest we forget. And they pass over Johnstown, where the historic flood happened, if we all recall. And there's a That's group... That's where Kathy Voiko's from. Ah, okay. Well, in Johnstown, as we see it, there's a group of rednecks, quote-unquote, who are gathered to hunt down the zombies. And there's a song playing where a guy's singing, Because I'm a man. Cause I'm a man and they're all drinking Iron City beer it's a clear promo shot um, and playing duck hunt but with zombies um, and hardly a woman in the mix if they're there they're like serving coffee um, and it's a, it's just an interesting I think atmosphere setter for Fran being the girl in this group of three guys and the attitudes she's gonna kind of battle yeah, and this is just kind of a, a, a sideline mm -hmm. as they're flying, and we're seeing this other thing that's happening in this other part of We this take a state. perspective view from what yeah. they're passing over and sit in it for like a minute. And it actually feels very real, which is... Yeah. Yeah. 100% that's what would be happening. Um, uh, so they have to stop at this little mini airport to refuel. And this is a great little scene where we're trying to figure out how to survive in this world and gosh, we're gonna have to kill zombies. And Steven's really bad at it. He's really bad, he gets a hammer, like has the worst swing attack of a zombie ever. Winds up almost killing Peter. Yeah, uh, and then we have the iconic uh, VHS cover zombie at this airport, um, who's walking in about to get to uh, Peter. Roger. Uh, Peter is inside. Oh, the, in the, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. On the outside, we have another iconic shot, which is um, Roger is refueling the f helicopter, and the blades are spinning at the same time, which is kind it's of... It's on. Yeah. They didn't turn it off. Which is weird. I mean, can you, I guess you can fill it up while it's going, but it's just... Yeah, so but it's also noise. It's like, you know that's going to bring them to you. And I guess you're still at the beginning of... We're coming from, like, zombie lore. Like we know it all. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, they're coming from, like, uh, what are we... What uh, I don't know if they... 
what's going to happen. So this zombie starts crawling towards over top of these boxes and stands on top of them. And of course, um, the top of his head is chopped off and he falls and dies. Yeah, you can tell when they first show that zombie that something's going to happen to his head because he looks like Frankenstein. He does. <laughs> he also appears a few other places in the film. Um, but he has a large forehead, which is why they knew that, that they could make that work, I guess. Or he had a small forehead. Anyway, I can't remember what it was. But um, the blades are animated in. I do know that. That's interesting. And I, I never, even watching it last night, I was like, that's some pretty good animation. Um, they probably drew it on the film, right? Probably, I imagine. Anyway, they almost don't get out of there alive. But then we see them in the daytime. They're, I, I'm assuming some time has passed because they, they're low on fuel again and they have to land they see the this one of those big indoor malls so they were kind of new I guess that I guess they speculate runs on nuclear power with zombies all over the parking lot as they come over it yeah so they land on the roof on the helipad on the roof which is questionable yeah, it's probably a hospital but you know it, it, it can be a roof of a mall um, well, I don't know. I mean, don't you think there's some sort of regulation with a roof that has to be able to... I mean, can any roof hold a helicopter, no, maybe? I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. But why would an, a mall in 1978... That's what I mean. Is, yeah, is, yeah. If, even, even if it could have landed on the mall, it could, had, could it have? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Regulations like, and all that. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Well, there's got to be some sort of like... This whole film is like, how did it happen? like liability insurance in that mall, cars being driven, motorcycles being driven in the mall. Sure. It's crazy. Um, so they, they get they stop at the mall, they break in through the windows up top, uh, they find like a storage area that could possibly serve as a living quarters. They're just at first thinking they're gonna take a rest and then move on and there's food up there. I wonder if that little area that they were in was the mall. I wonder if they kept that safe so they could film when they had the food and whatnot. They broke in and they were like in the office. It's probably a different location. And I was wondering, I wonder if they smartly had that going down the stairwell as just like this will be the top of the mall, but we can film this anytime we want. Anywhere. Before or after, anywhere. Because I would think that they would want all of the mall time to be out in that mall, out in the mall and not have to worry about like some generic office space. I do know that the stairway and the hall are at the mall. Mm. Um, and all of the stuff that's underneath in the basement, all the big workings and everything. I don't think that's at the mall. No. I was like, I was like, why is that at the mall? Yeah, what what kind of mall is this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that was not at the mall. I was in charge of a special events at the Apple Blossom Mall at one point, so... I would go in in the middle of the night and all the swag and stuff that was decorated that would hang above the mall, um, I was a part of. So it was kind of wild to be in the mall um, after. Where was all that stuff stored? Um, kind of like in the office that they were in. There was a big, big office in the back that... Um, now the Apple Blossom is just one level, isn't it? Or, are there, or is there other levels to it that we nope, don't know about? just one level okay. that I know about. Um, I was just going to say when they start now to decide they want to go see what they can get in the mall, this is really when it starts to become, I think, a lot more playful as well. And fun. Yeah, it's and everybody's fun. fantasy. Yeah, it really is. And uh, 
I'm not sure about the extended cut yet. Like the original cut that I saw is like one of the best movies ever. I feel like for me, I've seen this film so many times in its theatrical release version that it almost like a drug addict, I wanted a deeper cut, like right, right. to to feel it again. And I usually like extended cuts, and you know, maybe on a second watch, I'll appreciate it more. But I felt like the capitalist side of things really comes in with the theatrical cut more so than this. Because it's funny you say that because one of the reasons I like it more is they do more audio of like attention shoppers stuff oh, in the extended oh, gotcha, cut gotcha. during zombie like showing zombie stuff and and I was like oh god I, I like the more of that interesting um, but they, they do the, their first shopping trip we have that like fantasy of like sliding down the escalator <laughs> middle bars which now they put things in the middle and I'm pretty sure it's because of this film because people <laughs> started doing that um and uh, then, of course, Stephen, who was sleeping, finds out they're gone. He goes to find them. They're separated. He starts shooting in a, a room full of metal. Bullets are ricocheting because there's a zombie in there that's like the hide-and-seek zombie, I'll call him. He seemingly is just like He was shy. shooting at shadows. Like, He's, I was like, come on, man. I know you're scared. But, like, that's a shadow. But I don't know. At any rate, they get together... They, it works except Fran there's a uh, Hare Krishna zombie that finds the, the stairway and finds Fran and Fran is frantically trying to uh, escape it when they come back from the shopping trip yeah, that whole scene is so exciting like how are they going to do this and you know almost get caught a couple of times mm -hmm. and, uh, getting to Fran just in time to get mm -hmm. rid of the Hare Krishna mm -hmm. Um, it's really exciting. There's a lot going on. We also learn that Fran is pregnant. From the Harry Krishna? No, right after, because she's laying down. By Stephen. Yeah, she's laying down in another room, and all the men are doing men talk and planning things, and she is not, she's awake and hearing all of this. And Stephen goes, she's pregnant. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a discussion uh, from uh, Peter who says, do you want to abort it? It's not too late, and I know how. Which I'm like, wow. How? Well, I don't want to know. I, I, I don't want to even get into that. But I guess I, he was in the military. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is this discussion, even being in this film um, at this time, is really interesting. I mean, it, we're post Roe v. Wade, but still it's a very like polarizing thing to kind of put in. And I personally, if I was in a zombie apocalypse... I don't know if, if having a child would be something I'd want to go through with because you're automatically uh, going to be giving birth to something that makes a lot of noise always. I well, know that's why I didn't find it. I think it's it. the woman's choice. Of course. That, that, absolutely. That's why I didn't really take it to a, um, a political thing. Um, I was thinking of it more like you said. Survival. That, like, do you want to have this kid right now in this world? Can you run around when you're nine months pregnant? I mean, how's that going to work? Right. Um, <clears throat> and she also takes a charge, kind of, and says, I want to be a part of this. I want to be, you know, I don't want to be kept in the dark. The and next morning she comes out and <clears throat> says, I would have made you breakfast, but I forgot my pots and pans. Yeah. And, and Stephen knows it's not a joke, and 
Roger in the corner like laughs and makes a smiley face like that would have been great <laughs> and I, I, I expect that if they're friends maybe she's done that for him before but she, that's when she comes and says I want to be a part of the plans I am not going to be your dead mother and somebody should learn how to fly the helicopter besides you Stephen because what happens if you die right exactly and uh, Peter's like uh, yeah that's a really good idea and the point that I wrote down here is wow the difference between the women in Night of the Living Dead and Fran 10 years huge difference I mean Night of the Living Dead the women are basically like catatonic hysteric my jacket's caught falling and now we have a woman saying I am an equal to you and will be never left without a gun again right and this is when they kind of decide to stay there right yeah and so then they just they, they concoct this plan to hotwire trucks and pull them in front of the entrances thus kind of blocking the zombies from getting in and then going on a hunt um, when all the I don't get that block the entrances mm -hmm. is there a wall around the mall except for the entrances like it is well you know like an old at least a well what I'm remembering is like you know it's just like a, a glass door and you could easily have driven up a truck especially if you didn't care if you oh the actual entrance into the actual mall yeah. building yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah not the road no. no I kept thinking they were driving around to, to block off the road oh, because no. they were driving all around I thought where are they going I think the, yeah, in front of the mall entrances. There, I think there were four entrances that they had to move in front of got each it. one. Yeah. Got it. Got it. They should have just put the, the close sign up and just said we're closed. I don't think zombies. But I think they're also trying to put a physical barrier in case like people want to drive a car through sure. or whatever. I'm shocked that they did not figure out a way to basically barricade themselves in there with all of that fun and food and everything they had and just live happily ever after. They tried. That was the intent, except they, Fran later says this place is a prison. Um, which I'm like, I get it, but I'd rather be well, safe in prison well, than... And like, also, like, you don't really know what's going on other than that one thing they see on TV with the guy that was the... Um, the expert on Orson Welles. Orson Welles, yeah. yeah. Who sounds just like then they channeling Orson Welles. TV, right? Like, there's a whole like thing of Stephen trying to watch the television, but there's nothing on, and you know, and you get that feeling of people that have been living with each other for a really long time just In getting annoyed quarters, at the, yeah. the slightest little thing. Well, Roger is bitten uh, during the truck <clears> run, <throat> and there's a very moving scene in the truck afterwards, and and. It, Peter's very upset as he's driving. I mean, he's going to be upset no matter what, but he's like almost in tears. It's really uh, a moment. Um, and then the hunt begins where they are killing all the zombies. And instead of showing the hunt... Yeah, you just see the dead zombies. We show the, the end of it um, just to kind of efficiently move through time. And also there's an empathy factor right before the hunt begins where there's this kind of teenage looking guy or maybe young 20s with a mustache he's in a baseball outfit and his shirt says box auto pit cairn and i'm not sure what that is but it's i think probably, that's probably a business right and that's right. yeah who supports that team and fran is in the department store kind of waiting to open the door and this zombie gets on his knees and looks at her and there's this empathetic music and she kind of tilts her head like she feels bad um, it's an interesting thing. It's just a moment where it's like, oh, right, they're 
us and we're them. Um, after the hunt is over, we're showing uh, Roger's getting some morphine and he yells, we whipped him, didn't we? Didn't we? We whipped him and we got it all. And then there's a silence and he kind of looks around like, did you get it all? I mean, it's just, it's another like capitalism thing. Um, we get a little uh, a montage of them building the wall that hides them from the zombies, uh, hides off the hallway that leads up to the stairs to their apartment and a cleanup of bodies. And then we go shopping. This is where the fantasy stuff comes in where um, everyone's putting on like furs and playing video games and taking money out of the bank and huge wheels of cheese and loaves of bread. And uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going back, about to go back where they stop right in front of the Foxmore to look over at the mall and they see all the zombies still kind of, they can't get leverage because the truck is pulled close, but they're kind of still trying to pound on the glass. And that's when the famous quote is brought out when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Um, from Peter's uh, grandfather, I believe, who was a voodoo priest. Um, that was a saying he would say all the time. Next big thing that happens is Roger, of course, dies. Um, and he says he's going to try not to come back, but of course he does. And then Peter has to kill him. And it's kind of a very dark moment. And then we get a really long time with the three of them figuring out, you know, their space together and all of that. And I can see the boredom start to just really set in. There's a dinner that Peter makes for Fran and Stephen. I, I want to think that Peter talked to Stephen and Stephen was like, hey, I want to propose to right, her right. with a ring I want to steal from the jewelry store. Can you make a dinner? And he says, he prepares the dinner, gives it to him, and Fran is surprised when he says, nope, that this is just for the two of you. Then Peter goes downstairs with a bottle of champagne and pops it over uh, Roger's grave. Just a little kind of, you know. Wish I could have married you. Yeah. It's also champagne erupting from a phallic vase, but, you know, whatever. Um, so Fran says no to the proposal and says it wouldn't be real. Um... The, there's a not, now there's a piece of music. This is a, the soundtrack is written by Goblin. Um, look them up. They do great stuff. Or they did. I don't know if they still do. Uh, this piece is called Risveglio, I believe. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. But it's my favorite piece of music in the film. It's very melancholic. And it's kind of just showing the boredom kind of coming up. Like you said, Peter's playing racquetball on the roof. A tennis ball falls down and lands next to a corpse and we are reminded that the threat is still outside always and growing um, the zombies are still there and then we get into the end with uh, uh, Tom Savini's uh, motorcycle gang one quick thing before we get there Fran has this thing where she is putting on makeup very harsh severe makeup and has a gun and is playing in the mirror and making kissy faces and she looks almost exactly like the mannequin head that's right in front of her. And I said, Fran's becoming the mannequin. Then there's a, a audio uh, thing that comes on. It says, attention shoppers. If you have a sweet tooth, 
And I imagine as she's hearing this voice, she's thinking that voice is of a woman who's like no longer alive. And what what am I doing? This is this isn't real again. I think there's almost a, a sense of losing your mind. I think she was trying to make herself up to look like the mannequin mm. because there was nothing else to, to do. To do, yeah. Uh, Desperation yeah. almost. Like, well, what am I supposed to do today? I guess I'll look like a mannequin. There's a fight between Fran and Stephen over the TV, turning it on, turning it off, and then she says, what have we done to ourselves? We see her getting helicopter lessons, very important to the plot. Uh, she does it, she learns how to do it. As she's doing those lessons with Stephen, we see binoculars find the helicopter, and there's a gang of raiders that Tom Savini is seemingly in charge of. Uh, they break into the mall, there's a pie fight with zombies. It's a weird thing. They put pies in zombies' faces. Uh, they steal their jewelry. They spray <clears throat> seltzer spray in their faces. It's yeah. dehumanizing. And you also see Steven at this time like really saying, this is our place. We took it. We took it. It's ours. It's ours. And he starts trying to fight back. Um, then there's the blood pressure idiot. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. This guy stops to check his blood pressure and... Guy's like, hey, there's no time for that. And then he goes back to it later, and the zombies get him, and his blood pressure is zero. I get it. It's funny. What a dumb guy. Also, it's maybe uh, uh, us worrying about our health, that kind of thing, going, you know, that blood pressure thing, even being in a mall. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's he's been feeling bad during the zombie apocalypse and wanted to check his blood pressure. Yeah. I've been really stressed. Uh... Tom Savini and Ken Faree start a shootout battle with each other. The power goes out, and I have in parentheses, Night of the Living Dead. It's that kind of moment. But then, why did the power go out? Well, there is a thing, uh, there's a like reality show that says, like, shows you what would happen mm -hmm. uh, if there was something like this, where to, like an apocalypse wouldn't happen, when, when things start to break down. So things will start to break down, so maybe this is the first step, is the first step with this particular power for this mall. Then Tom Savini delivers the incredibly racist line, I see you, chocolate man. Which is like, did you guys need to do that? Yeah. Um, I mean, this forces them to really, you know, have a dream die of being able to live, even though they were all bored at this point. It's really a, a, the dying of a dream of, like, maybe we could have continued on. And then it's like, how the heck do we get out of here? Yeah, the gang is starting to lose to both the, the zombies and the, the sniper attacks but mainly the zombies of course the bl blood pressure idiot we talked about steven gets shot and then attacked by zombies in the elevator he fights them back but when the door opens we see that he has gone full zombie and has quite the impressive zombie walk i will say um with his uh, ankle yeah, twisted in, and yeah. the gun still in his hand the rogers zombie basically then leads all of them back to the wall that they built and starts clawing through it. Which is this is why I really like Romero zombies because there's this memory of what they did in their lives, and then that's a you know a huge theme of all of them. And so of course he would go. Stephen had would a go, memory. Yeah, would he, go to the top. He, he just go, died. He's fresh. You know? Right, and, and he's got a he's got a kid coming, and you know, I guess he's in love with Fran. Uh, he wants to eat her at this point. Yeah, yeah, but you know, so of course he's going in that direction. So it, it all makes sense. So Stephen gets killed. We're in our end game here. Uh, so Peter then all of a sudden is like, "Go ahead, I don't want to go." Um, and I'm like, "So he's gonna let 
pregnant Fran fend for herself in the world. That's which she weird. absolutely could do. She she could absolutely, but it also just seems like an ungentlemanly thing to do. I think it's also something of I give up. Yeah, I've we've gone to this point. The person that you know I was closest to has died. I'm here stuck. With but what YouTube. makes him change his mind? I don't get that moment. It's I, just a like last minute nah. No, I think it's a it's a last minute. Doesn't he have a a thought of something? Doesn't isn't there like a moment where he has he has and he you can see the change in him as he's sitting there like looking at the zombies and he decides to shoot them instead of himself. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the zombie that comes in first is an African American, and I don't know if that's the agent of seeing someone that kind of looks like maybe you in a way um, changes his mind. I don't know what it is, but he has a change of heart, shoots a few, gets or just even a. I thought I was dumb, but you know what? I'm not. I still, you know, have fear. I still am scared. He, he so. wanted to die at the mall where his boyfriend's buried. Just saying. <laughs> Anyway, he gets out. Fran um, is in the helicopter. They take off. He says, how much fuel is left? She said, not much. And he smiles and says, okay. Then we, our last shots are of the mall. Once again, returned to zombie ownership uh, as they parade around. And we are treated to the wonderful mall music song, The Gonk, um, that was later used in Robot Chicken. Funny enough, is their theme song, but I don't know. Uh, this is—it's one of my favorite films, um, of course, because I used to shop at that mall. Um, there's a lot of childhood kind of ties to this. I think it's fun. I like the characters. I like that the woman in the film is has agency. I like that she is her own thinking person and kind of the hero. Of it's got a lot the of film. complicated. Uh things to think about especially for 1978 yeah and there's there's some there's some icks in there there's the racist stuff which i think is there for a, a purpose yeah, to, yeah. to make a point because yeah. none of the good people are saying racist things it's yeah. just the ick people had you ever seen this matt i think i've seen some of the mall stuff before i never saw the lead up to the mall i never knew that they flew off together with a little bit of fuel, maybe just dying together, not getting far. Um, at times I heard bum ba dum bum 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 try to do as much as you can with the cheapest things possible in order to get the best product you possibly can, meaning helping the community helping with uh, fire trucks and but the car they blew up was a used car that someone donated, but you know, just stuff. And I'm sure there was a time when all movie people probably just went around and tried to find like we got to burn down this house. Independent films, at least, yeah, non-studio. Yeah, but I think I, that always crossed my mind of like, was that, was that supposed to be like that, or were they just trying? You know, when Tom Savini jumped, I thought, what's he jumping on? Ma mattresses? Yeah, literally mattresses and cardboard boxes. And then, like, when they jumped in the fountain, did they have like a contract that said, look, if we break the fountain, we'll fix it? <laughs> all of the stunts were done by Tom and his assistant, like all of them, and you know whether he was 
jumping off something, being a zombie hit by a truck, whatever. Um, just a fun little tidbit. The original ending of this film was supposed to be that Peter was going to shoot himself and that Fran was going to stand up into the helicopter blade to kill herself because that's an easy suicide. Um, and easy to film. Well, so then they got to, they did film, I think they filmed that ending and it got lost, thankfully, but Romero was like, no, I like these characters. I want to keep them. I want to give them hope. And so thus changing the character of the film, thank goodness, because I think that's why I like this so much now, because there are survivors. There are survivors in Day of the Dead as well, and they kind of get a, a fun ending as well, um, the people that we care about do. But but there's something um, really special about, especially, you know, these four. I like them, even though they annoy me at times. Um, they're fun to kind of spend a zombie apocalypse with, I guess, in a mall. Yeah, I, I would say it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, I have a really good time with it. Uh, like I said, I, it's it's one of my favorites as well. Um, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Um, and the extended cut made me kind of see it for the first time again, which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, especially the, I don't remember the beginning part being as long as it was. Probably not in the theatrical. Yeah, and uh, it really lets you kind of, I always think of them all when I think of Dawn of the Dead, but it really lets you live in the world a little bit with these characters before you get there. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. But Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's Dawn of the Dead. I would. I thought it'd be really cool if they had a movie theater at the mall mm. and they locked themselves in to watch a movie, and it was like you know, Night, Night of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. <laughs> or when they went to the arcade, I wish they had all gotten some really amazing tickets to get some prizes. Yeah. Zombie aliens. Yeah. Gotta have that. Yeah. Zombie aliens. Yeah. But I, do, I thought one of the most not smart it wasn't like a huge aha moment because I guess we thought I knew it was kind of coming but when they do have those mall moments when they're trying on clothes and eating at the ground round and all the little things that you're taking advantage of in the mall did have a very multi-layered response for me because a everybody wants that sweepstakes feeling of like getting everything you want in life that you never really could all the money in the bank. Yeah. And then B, also just to experience that kind of alone um, and play dress up and become someone else or whatever, I thought was this really great moment of hope before the end. Yeah. Yeah, and it really does go to show, you know, they have all of this now. This is, you know, this is what we all in society are always striving for all of these things. And they have all of it, and it gets real bored, it's boring not enough. real fast. It's not enough. Now, you said that there's a museum at the mall now? Yeah. Actually, at the mall, yeah. in the mall, yeah. dedicated to coming to the mall and seeing stuff from, probably not props, but probably just oh, pictures. Oh, I think they have stuff. Let's yeah. go to the mall. Yeah, they have everything. They have. It's not just from Dave. It, it's, I think it's the Living Dead Museum is what it's called. Well, they're lucky that they're even still open, because malls are leaving. Yeah. Where yeah. are they going? They're going out to online. Yeah, it's true. They're going to Amazon because see the next George Romero film actually, the first one was on the farm. This one was at the mall. The next one is actually at Amazon. <laughs> I wish there was another George Romero film. It that takes place in the Amazon. It's called um, La Dia de Muertes. 
Um, you mean the Amazon rainforest or the Amazon I was, warehouse? I was doing a play on a, in a play. Well, if it was, okay. All right. Well, um, that was our Dawn of the Dead. Uh, that um, was longer than we thought. It was. Ooh. Thanks for listening to our Dawn of the Dead episode. Fun fact, Dawn of the Dead is going back to theaters Halloween weekend. Um, and I believe it is in 3D. So check it out. Check out. I, I would love to see it on a big screen. Did you guys just do a thing for Full House? No, that they did cut it out. Oh, we did check, check it, it out. out. Yeah. Okay, all right. So we're safe, but from the legal team. Um, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on social media under Connor and Smith, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and TikTok, again, with an ER. Uh, please subscribe to our Patreon. You can find the description or the link in the description. And please post this where you post things, share this where you share things, uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things that you're supposed to do to podcast hosted you just never do but we appreciate if you do it for us so thanks for listening everybody bye, bye.